Welcome back to Takis McGinnis Elder Law Hour. I'm your host, Barbara McGinnis, and we're talking about issues that relate to aging, unexpected illness, and disability. And that specifically, this episode, we're focusing on legislation that impacts seniors. And I'm your co-host, Tim Takis, and we're joined in this segment by attorney and counselor at law, Alan Ramsor, who is the who has served as the executive director of the Tennessee Bar Association for 20 years and we also have with us Vicki Harris founder and CEO of Community Connexor and past board president of Nashville's Council on Aging welcome Vicki and welcome Alan thank you Tim. Uh, Alan tell us a little bit about the Tennessee Bar Association Bar Association what it what does it have to do with state law state legislation okay so the Tennessee Bar Association is the voice for of lawyers and voice of the profession in Tennessee about 13,000 members statewide from all practice areas and all um, uh, all uh, practice types um, so in terms of legislation first we uh, obviously look out for issues dealing with the profession uh, uh, um, and ways in which uh, lawyers um, interact with it, with the community uh, but as important as that is the work that the TBA does in providing expertise, providing the expertise in, uh, of lawyers to the legislature and inform, trying to inform legislation. So if you would take um, a, an issue of, of interest to, um, to um, lawyer, uh, sorry. Issues that relate to seniors. I, and issues gotcha. relate, that yeah. relate to seniors, then uh, there might be um, um, a, a, a outreach to the elder law section of the TBA and mm -hmm. call upon right. y'all's expertise in, right. in that area yeah. um, or it, consumer law or housing or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Right. So probably one of the big things that's impacting elder law attorneys and seniors um, is any legislation that relates to conservatorships versus supported decision-making documents. Right, right. So um, conservatorship is a pretty um, pretty strong uh, uh, hammer, a uh, pretty strong uh, uh, mm -hmm. um, taking away of a person's rights. And there's been a, um, a, a movement in over several years to try to uh, make sure that we only take away those rights that's necessary to take away. Um, it's called least drastic alternative or least restrictive alternative. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good thing. It's a, it's a way to make sure that seniors um, or and, and anybody else, anybody needing a conservatorship is uh, only gets those rights compromised that need to be compromised. Um, uh, recently, an, e uh, uh, an effort has been uh, driven to uh, enact supported decision-making uh, legislation and to uh, promote pr supported decision-making as a substitute for, uh, for, uh, for conservatorships, a recognition that uh, people should be able to make, that make uh, another person uh, responsible for acting with them but not substituting their judgment, uh, but, but having somebody go along with you to the doctor's appointment, somebody to go along with you to the bank to get stuff explained. Gotcha, yeah. okay. Now, switching gears a little bit, let's talk about opioids, mm -hmm. you know, and specifically, um, there's some new law about limiting prescriptions. How does that affect seniors? Can you tell us about that, either one of you? 
Well, first of all, seniors are one of our most vulnerable population groups that live in our community outside of institutional settings. So the restrictions that are being applied to opioid prescriptions certainly could create hardships. Uh, seniors, one of the challenging areas for seniors is transportation. And so as we look at a restriction where there's a limit of three days or 10 days uh, for seniors who are suffering with pain, uh, certainly that could create a hardship for those seniors. Uh, but I also look at the legislation and note that there are exceptions that I believe that many of our seniors uh, could fall under. Um, also, I think we have to take into consideration that our rural seniors are most likely going to be most impacted uh, related to transportation and trying to get back to a physician in order to get a mm -hmm. prescription refill. Mm -hmm. uh, not like urban and suburban areas of Tennessee where we've got uh, pharmacies within a few miles of where we live. I often think of little communities like uh, Curlioka or Farmington uh, where you've mm -hmm. got about a 20-30 minute drive to get to the nearest pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So it does, it will create some hardships. But also, I think we need to note that we're in a crisis state in the, as far as opioid use is concerned. And seniors are vulnerable uh, to opioid addiction, probably more so than the average adult, you or I. And so we, as a state, from a public health crisis, needed to really act quickly. Uh, but we had the opportunity, as we learn more about the impact on older adults, to then advocate for where the changes need to be. But this step, I think, is necessary. Uh, but certainly, we need to keep in mind the impact yeah. on our rural seniors. Mm -hmm. okay. Absolutely. Well, another um, piece of legislation that you might be able to um, elaborate on is the adult or the older caregiver law, where you have older adults caring for disabled children. We see that a lot in our practice. What's going on with that? Yes, there is quite a bit going on with, the, uh, with that area and uh, has been of a major concern here in the state. Uh, so the changes that have been made are positive uh, and, and creates, I believe, a stronger system of, of services to support those individuals. So um, I know that you mentioned, Alan, about yeah. uh, least restrictive alternatives uh -huh. to conservatorships changes this year. Sure. So um, the supported decision making finally got some recognition in uh -huh. the statute, um, a recognition that, it, that the court ought to consider whether there is supported decision making or whether supported decision making will work in, instead of uh, a full conservatorship or conservatorship um, and the like. Supported decision making is simply really a contract between um, say you and me uh -huh. that you, you'll go along with me and you'll help um, and, um, and, and that I've released the, the information, confidential information to you uh, to be able to do that, that. That sounds like, isn't that what a power of attorney is for? Or is that, are we, peop are we talking about people that are past that? Or? Well, the power, power of attorney is, a sub is still is a substitute when it's uh -huh. triggered, right. is a substituted judgment. So right. we're not talking about substituting judgment. This person retains the uh, full authority to make those decisions. So that's kind it's of just the to difference. have somebody to help. Okay. Hmm. That's the difference. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like the, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services implemented its latest outcome-based reimbursement program. This is a long question here. Mm. And it's about targeted at home care agencies. The program for home health providers um, is sort of gone from this paper, like a fee-for-service, pay-for-performance, uh, value-based payment, 
anything going on from a state standpoint about how to support these initiatives with CMS? From a state perspective, uh, well, I want to take it from a consumer perspective. Okay. Um, because I, I often think that many of the older adults don't understand this transformation that is taking place in healthcare, particularly around those Medicare benefits. And so you're correct uh, that we are evolving from a fee-for-service model that we have developed over the last 50 years, and that's right. about how long Medicare has been in existence. Mm -hmm. uh, what we have found out as a result of those 50 years of experience is that we spend more in this country on health care than any other uh, uh, industrialized nation, Germany, the UK, but we have the worst outcomes. So we are not getting the bang for our buck. And so that fee-for-service model that we've been operating under is also also been referred to as a volume-based model. And there was no tie to quality and outcomes. So the more patients that you uh, saw uh, under this model, fee-for-service model, the more you were reimbursed, even though the outcomes were not forthcoming. Mm -hmm. What we're moving to now and in this initiative that we've seen around home health is to tie payment and quality uh, together, okay? So now beginning to hold providers of care responsible for outcomes. Okay, so let's put up right. your contact information. We've just got a few seconds left. That's how you can get a hold of Alan Ramsor, former mm -hmm. formerly with the TBA, yeah, Tennessee yeah. Bar Association, and Vicki Harris. And thank you both for being here. Thank um, you. Uh, so that's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to this edition, if, this edition of Takeus McGinnis Elder Care Law Hour. And tune in next time when we continue to talk about senior issues. Thank you.